Thank you, Parker. Um, uh, this has been one of the most, uh, by the way, as I'm just go ahead and find Psalm 23. One, um, but this has been one of the most uh, pleasant things about uh, this transition, and that's uh, this band and uh, Parker's leadership. Um, it's just, uh, I, I've been, it's ministered greatly to my own soul. And so, Parker, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you doing this week in and week out. Um, if you have Bibles, again, um, Psalm 23 is where we're going to be. And again, I'm going to introduce myself once more because last week was my first week in here. My name is Kyle Jacobson. I'm the new senior high youth minister. And, uh, and I'm on the stage. Like I made that adjustment on Sunday because of counsel from my wife. I uh, don't like it up here. Again, uh, I feel like, feel like my legs. You can see the legs and ankles and knees. and just not good. Yeah, yeah. And I know that lust is an issue. And so contain yourselves, all right? Control. Um, that was gross, Kyle. All right. Hey, um, Psalm 23 is where we're going to be, but we're also going to jump to John 10. So Psalm 23 and um, jumping to Psalm, t- I mean, sorry, to John 10. So um, if you have one of these, you know, uh, one of the, a book, Bible, Mark John 10, we're going to be flipping to it. And if you have your phone, then I don't know, just follow along the best you can. Psalm 23, this is God's word that says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup. It overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I told you all last week we are going to spend two weeks on this psalm. From a very kind of mountaintop view, we're going to just take big themes. And then next week we'll start a new series. Chose this text because we're in the middle of a transition. And this to me is a wonderful transition text. Um, God is our shepherd. And, and the great preacher, the prince of preachers, Charles Spurgeon, um, he called this psalm, Psalm 23, the pearl of psalms. The pearl of psalms. I love that description. Um, this is a psalm that I have clung to in the middle of some really difficult circumstances. Um, this is a psalm that I have rehearsed in the middle of these kind of transitions like we're going through right now. This is a psalm that my wife, as we were going through a very difficult time last year, my wife, in the middle of the night, in tears, would be staying, speaking this psalm to her own soul. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is a psalm that when I have visit, visited junior hires and hospital rooms, is a psalm that I would open and, and would read when I would visit students and when their parents or, or siblings or loved ones have been sick or passed away or they're in the middle of a crisis. This is a psalm that I turn to when we read. The pearl of psalms. This psalm is so loved and it's so familiar because, but I think it's so familiar because again, how just wonderful it is. It, it, it gives us such confidence as the people of God. I mean, think about this. We talked about this last week. The Lord is my shepherd, I am his sheep. And we talked about this idea of a sheep. What we're saying, what we're proclaiming is that everything, for a sheep, everything is dependent on the shepherd. Every aspect of life, dependent on the shepherd. 
guidance, provision, protection, all of it banked on the shepherd. You have a bad shepherd, the sheep are in trouble. The shepherd is everything to the sheep. And so for the people of God, when we say the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, the creator of everything is my shepherd, that should give us great confidence, should it not? Because God is the one who's guiding every single one of my steps. Because I'm prone to wonder and to sin. God is the one who is providing for me. God is the one who's protecting me because, again, on my own, I am no match for the craftiness of Satan. We need a shepherd, and this psalm gives us confidence that God is my shepherd. Therefore, I shall not want, I shall not lack. What shall I not lack? I I won't lack anything that the shepherd says or thinks is good for me. And by the way, God being my shepherd... That confidence that we have in that statement leads to contentment, whether we are in green pastures or dark valleys. Think about that. When I'm in the middle of a dark valley, how can you be content? Well, I'm content because I'm confident that God, my shepherd, led me there. It brings us confidence and contentment no matter the season. But this is so key, and this is what we need to unpack tonight. This confidence and this contentment is resting on one key thing. Is my shepherd good? Is he good? Because if I'm claiming to be a sheep, completely banking everything on the shepherd. Well, he needs to be good for me to have any hope, comfort, confidence, and contentment. If my shepherd is not good, Psalm 23 is a nightmare. I'm in the hands of an out-of-control, wicked God. And that's horrifying. This is only good news is if if my shepherd is good. So, but can we talk and be honest? I'm gonna be honest with you. That's my promise to you. I'm gonna be honest for me with you on this stage. Let's be honest. Pretty easy to question the goodness of God, is it not? It's pretty easy to doubt the goodness of God, is it not? You rise in Genesis 3. We know what happened in Genesis 3. I'm not going to make you raise your hand because that was a disaster on Sunday, and I have learned. Genesis 3, we remember that's when, that's when the fall happens. The man centers in through man, through Adam. And what happens in Genesis 3, remember the, the serpent, Satan, comes in the form of a serp, serpent. And the first temptation, the first attack against our God was this. He asked a question, a question of insinuation. Did God really say that you could not eat of any of the trees, any tree in the garden? You remember God gave a command, don't eat of one tree. But here comes the serpent. Did God really say you couldn't eat of any tree? Mm. Insinuating that our God, he seems a little stingy, doesn't he? What's that about? Can't eat of the tree. That's, that's odd. What kind of a good God would do that? Right? 
God was good, you would have anything you wanted. You would have it the way you wanted. Ever since the beginning, guys, that's been the assault from the enemy against our God. And that lie still is fed to us, force-fed to us today. I mean, have you ever looked around? Let's be real with each other. Have you ever looked around this world, this culture, your schools, and just thought to yourself for a minute, why would a good God allow fill-in-the-blank? How could a good God possibly allow whatever it might be? How could he allow this to happen to my family or to me or to the people around me? If God is a good shepherd... What kind of a good shepherd does this to his sheep? Ever been there? Yeah, I have. And Psalm 23 can only give me comfort, confidence, and contentment if I know that my shepherd is good. If I don't, when we're in those dark valleys... We're in trouble. We're going to be doubting, questioning, and and railing against our God because how could a God put me here, a good God put me here? How do we know that our shepherd is good? It's the big question for tonight. To answer this question, hold your place in your Bible and flip because we're going to be flipping back to Psalm 23. Flip to John 10. And by the way, as you're turning to John 10, just know... But David did believe that God, his shepherd, is good. And David didn't even know fully. He only had a shadowy picture, a grainy picture, of what we know from John 10, verse 11. And David still knew that our God was good. But here in John 10, verse 11, we find rock-solid, concrete, sure, clear proof that our shepherd's good. John 10, verse 11, this is what Jesus says. I am the good shepherd. Well, let's just stop there for real quick. Because, by the way, I, 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 if you didn't know this or didn't know this, just know this now. That was a weird way of saying, I'm not sure what I'm we're trying to say. That was a lot of words. Um, I went to Ole Miss, graduated from Ole Miss. Boo me, love me, whatever, I don't care. Um, but uh, at Ole Miss, I remember I took a religion class. Mm-hmm. And I come in, and there's this, this lady with all these degrees, and this doctor, and she's, she's uh, you know, the head of this department. And she's like, we sit down, and I'm in religion 101. Yay. Um, an easy A, I thought. And so I sit down, and she's like, you know, one of the greatest uh, misunderstandings in our time is that Jesus never claimed to be God. And even in your Bibles, you can read them. And he said he was a son of God. But aren't we all sons of God and daughters of God? Jesus never said that he was God. And I would say that my, this lady, as smart as she might be, is uh, complete. She's misguided. <laughs> because she just, I don't know how you missed this. John 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. Well, we let, read in John, I mean, in, in Psalm 23, the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, is my shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Whoa. A, cl- a clear, clear claim to deity. But let's continue. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, Jesus said something different from Psalm 23. Jesus didn't say, I'm the shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. He adds this good in there. Why? What, we have to ask ourselves, what qualifies Jesus 
who's claiming to be God, how, what qualifies him to be good? What proof does he have? You know, I can, I can sit up here and say, I'm a good youth minister. And you probably are out there, you already know that that's, that's, should be debated. But like, I'm a good, you know, you got to have something to back that up. What, what qualifies you to be good, the good shepherd? Why are you good? Put your money where your mouth is. Let's talk is cheap. What, what makes you good? What qualifies you to be good? And it's very simple. Because he lays down his life for the sheep to break down that little sentence. The good shepherd lays down his life. That means right there that no man, no man took the life from Jesus. Jesus voluntarily lays it down. He's not a victim on the cross. He voluntarily lays it down for the sheep. And that's the second part, for the sheep. In the place of the sheep. The sheep deserve the death that the shepherd is taking. In my place, for my sin, the shepherd lays down his life voluntarily for the sheep, for us, for me, for the people of God. So I ask you again, how can we question the goodness of the good shepherd? The shepherd who laid down his life How can we question the goodness of God the Father as He slays His only Son? He did not withhold His only Son from us. Do you think He's holding back from you right now? Do you think He's greedy, stingy? He didn't even spare His own Son. Generous? Yeah. Good? Yeah. Proof? Have you seen the cross? Really seen the cross? For all its beauty and all its worth and let that seep into, your, into the deepest parts of your soul? You might sit there and say, but, but Kyle, you don't, you don't understand my story. You don't understand... How could a good shepherd lead me into the place where I am right now? Kyle, you, you don't know me. You, you were in junior high, and junior high was, I mean, they, they barely know how to tie their own shoes. Like, do you not know what's going on in my life, in real world high school life? How could a good God allow this to happen to me? Or, Kyle, like, I know you say he provides all, the, you know, he provides, yeah, yeah, yeah. But why do I not have the beauty that I long to have? Or why don't I have the athleticism or the smarts or the abilities that this guy has right beside me? Or this girl has right beside me? What kind of a good God would not just give me those things? Do you know how much I suffer because of the limitations he's put on me? Kyle... Why does he allow me to hurt so bad? 
Why does he allow me to suffer so much and for so long? Why has he allowed me to struggle so greatly? What kind of a good shepherd does that? I don't know. I I don't have all the answers. But I do know this. With every fiber of my being, as sure as I'm standing up here on this stage, I do know this. Our God, my shepherd, is good. Because he sacrificed his only son for me. The good shepherd, Jesus, took all my sin, all my shame. So even if the mountains are cast down into the plains, even if if we're all stripped down and taken, everything is taken away from us, I know that our God is good. Because of the cross. That's the qualifier. That's why he's the good shepherd. Jesus humbled himself to becoming a man on this earth. Humbled himself even greater to death on a cross. Humbled himself to even more, to to descend even to the lowest parts where he took on hell. He, he, hell came to the cross. He descends into hell as he's on the cross. Like he's dying, and, and, and hell has come to the cross at Calvary, taking all of my sin and my shame and my punishments. Our shepherd is more than good. And our shepherd can be trusted. Just to enforce this just a little more, flip back to Psalm 23, and as you do, I would ask you this out loud, but I think it would go poorly. So, obviously, what, becomes, what comes before 23 is 22. All right, all right. Almost, I, thought, I think somebody, I saw it. Somebody wanted to speak out, and I, you held back. That was cool. I liked it. Um, Psalm 23, before that, Psalm 23. And remember, guys, these psalms are not just placed for random order. They're, they're, there's a reason for each where they're located. And, and Psalm 22 is very insignificant that Psalm 22 is before Psalm 23. Because look at Psalm 22, verse 1. It says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Sound familiar? Heard that before? Maybe at the end of Jesus' life on the cross when he's crying out as the wrath of God's being poured out onto him. My God, my God, Why have you forsaken me? You see, I get confidence in Psalm 23 because of the truth that's found in Psalm 22. Charles Spurgeon, again, the great Charles Spurgeon says this. The position of this psalm, being Psalm 22, is worthy of notice. It falls to the 22nd. Sorry. The position of this psalm, which is the 23rd psalm, is worthy of notice. It falls to the 22nd, which is the psalm of the cross. We must see the sword awaken against the shepherd before we shall be able to truly know the sweetness of the good shepherd's care. You want to have confidence in Psalm 23? We look at what happens in Psalm 22, the Psalm of the Cross. And there I find with sure, a sure, a sure answer that yes, 
My God is good. My shepherd is good. And that gives me confidence, comfort, and hope and contentment. Real quick, before I, before I close, I want to do one thing too. In light of the cross, always remember to read the Old Testament in light of the cross. In light of the cross, Psalm 23 just comes to a little bit more light. A little more life. For instance, verse 4. Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So, so even in my darkest hour, I don't care what you think as a believer. God has not left you. Not for one millisecond has God ever left us. Why do we know that to be true? Because on the cross is Jesus crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In his darkest hour, he was all alone. Completely forsaken by his, by his father. So that you and I would not experience it, not for one millisecond. Verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. When we think about God and how he pursues us. When you look into the eyes of our father pursuing us, just know he's coming after you. Not with anger, not with wrath. He's pursuing us with goodness and mercy. Why goodness and mercy? Because on the cross, as Jesus is crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The wrath that my sins deserved was being poured out entirely onto Jesus so that you and I would not even experience a bit of it. I don't care what you're going through right now. You might sit there thinking, God must be angry with me. I can't tell you much, but I can tell you this. It's mercy. Only a merciful God would put something in your life that would put you to your knees and make you more dependent on him. That's mercy, y'all. That is not, that is not wrath. That's the hope, at least for the ch- children of God in here. That's who I'm speaking to. And then finally, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David believed that. How much more should we, as Jesus, our good shepherd, said in John 14, I think, verse 3, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again. That where I am, you will be with me always. As we're, again, just to sum up, wrap up, I want to close with this, this little guy. Anybody here? Again, don't raise your hand because that's just going to embarrass me again. Anybody know J.I. Packer? To yourself, you can nod or not nod. And it's okay. Um, you're, you're so cool. I, I promise. Um, it's a guy I really respect. He's a guy who wrote, wrote over 300 books, journal articles, book reviews, all these kind of things. He's Knowing God's a book you need to have in, in, at, with you. Um, he's 89 years old right now. And just over Christmas, this guy who loves to read and write, he has this eye disease and he can no longer see. He can only see periphery, periphery things. He cannot, he cannot see to be able to read or write anymore. That would be pretty hard after 89 years of being able to see things. He can't see any longer. And so the guy, he does this interview, um, and the guy asks him, uh, how is that? Like, that, that must be hard, you know, question God, struggling. Here's what 89-year-old J.I. Packer said. Being blind and can't, do, can't read or write. God knows what he's up to. And I've seen enough experiences of his goodness in all sorts of ways not to have any doubts about the present circumstances. Some good, something for his glory is going to come out of this. I love that. 
I've seen, I've seen, I've experienced enough of God's goodness through my life that no, I don't question this. I don't have any doubts. I know that something good, something for God's glory is going to come out of all this. My blindness at 89 years old. God's going to use it. And he's still good. And I know that. Because J.I. Packer's been walking with the Lord, has been led by the Lord for decades. I read that because it's so, so good to hear from our older brothers and sisters in Christ. We need not doubt the goodness of God. We see the cross and we know with, without a shadow of a doubt, he's good. And where he's leading is good. What he's doing is good. And so I'll ask you this. Maybe some of you in here right now are just completely wayward sheep. Maybe you, you think you belong to God, maybe not. Maybe you're just, you're just straying off. And right now, the, the, the good shepherd has found you. He's found you. You wandered off. The good shepherd just tonight has found you. Maybe for some of you, you're not even a child of God. And again, the good shepherd has found you and is inviting you back into the flock. Guys, that's the Holy Spirit speaking, not me. And if you feel convicted or, or convicted by the Holy Spirit, the thing to do tonight is to repent and to trust and to follow the good shepherd. For some of us in here, maybe you're in a season of just an awful season. And look, let me just tell you, I would love to hear about it from you. Kyle, you're awkward. I know. Love me anyway, all right? But I'd love to hear from you. Love to talk about it with you. I'm sorry for your pain. But maybe tonight you need to just focus again on the cross and remember, my shepherd's good. And I can be comforted, I can have hope, and I can even be content with the place God has me right now. And for everybody else in this room, I think always a good response is praise. Praising our God who went to such great lengths to save his sheep. So let's do that. Let's praise and thank and confess and repent to our good shepherd. And I'll close us in prayer. God, we um, confess boldly that we doubt you and your goodness. We confess we are prone to wonder. Um, we are prone to leave the God we love. We are prone to be forgetful people. And we get caught up in everything else but, um, but you. And you alone are deserving of all of our attention, all of our praise, all of our trust. And we fall awfully short of that. And so we thank you because we know that the only reason why we can approach your throne and ask anything from you is not because of our deeds and our righteousness and our works. It's because the good shepherd came and died for us. We can cling to his righteousness, ask for things in his name, and know that you'll hear us. And so, Father, we're asking that for those in this room who are hurting greatly, 
Not necessarily that you take away pain and make things better. That would be wonderful, and, and we would ask for that. But that you would just draw near to them now, and that you would just give them a peace that passes all understanding. That you, they would know, maybe for the first time in months, that you are with them right now, and that you're good, and you can be trusted. Father, for the rest of us in here, we, we just really need to know and understand the gospel and what you've done for us. So would you do that? Um, teach us. Open our eyes even more. Help us to see even better the beauty of the cross. We're in need of a shepherd. We praise you because we know you are our shepherd and we, we give you thanks for it. In Christ's name, amen.